Set another episode. More laughs. And this episode, we will call it the Gene Hickerson episode. Oh, 66. The Hall of Fame guard from the Browns. Yeah. Ken Dworznik, Ted Klopp. Ted, I, I like to have some different stories. So there's a lot of stuff that happened last week in sports. Okay. We had some extensions for contracts for some people for the Browns, particularly Nick Chubb. I think they signed a couple more rookies. The Indians traded half their team. Yep. So they were pretty busy with that. The Cavs made some moves. They drafted a new player and then signed another player, Jared Allen, to a long-term contract. And, yeah. of course, the, other thing is the whole hit? thing with the Guardians and all that stuff. Right. Which of those did you want to hit here? I don't want to talk about any of that, oh. to be honest with you, because I okay. think there's other podcasts that people can go on to have in-depth conversation. My conversation has to do with chicken wings. Oh, well, now we're talking. So last week, my parents are out of town. Um, they're on location. So I had to stop by the house, as I would do as a nice son, to check things out and make sure everything's good. Okay. That, and so a and I decided we're going to have some dinner somewhere. So okay. we're in the fine city of Parma. And we decided to go to a place I've not been to in a long time. And once again, if something's positive, I say the name of the restaurant. We went to a restaurant called Pounders. Pounders. It's on Park Road and it's right near Pearl. So okay. very nice place. Great service. I was excited to go there because they are have been known for a long time to have very good chicken wings. And I know you could respect this. I know you're a huge fan of chicken wings. They have uh, very yes. different types of flavors of chicken wings that you can get. Yep. We walk in, we're greeted right away. We sat at the bar. Super great service, very easy to get drinks. I mean, it was outstanding. There was another friend that Awen had there that she had known for a long time. We had a great night. Okay. So we to the point where we're going to order some food, and they had a special. You can get a beer and a burger. So she opted to do that. I'm like, wow, I'm going to get chicken wings. So I go on the menu, and this is probably like many other restaurants. You go to the area for chicken wings, and usually like to see, okay, what's the price for six or twelve or whatever. That's always on the menu. Do you know yeah. what it said? What? It was like fine dining market price. Well, <laughs> I, I've never seen that market price for chicken wings for chicken wings. I at that point said to myself, I know I would like a chicken wing, but in all honesty, if it says market price, I don't feel like paying twenty dollars for a couple chicken wings. By the way, I'm not saying that's what Pounder's chicken price was. I don't know. I ended up getting a burger, but this is where we're at. There is a shortage of chicken wings, Ted, and it's concerning. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm boy. concerned. All right. Duly noted. What happens if, I wonder if you go to, I haven't been to BW3s in a while. I wonder if they go with market price. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to do some research here. We'll have to go to the different restaurants and find out who's got chicken wings and who doesn't. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. All right. Well, a little, little food research there. Uh, that's, uh, all right. Well, that's the investigative reporting that I bring to this show. This is what I do. I'm, I'm going to tell you, and beyond Ted. I, I'm going to tell you what I bring to this show right now. I bring what's coming up. What's coming up. Another dad joke. We have another dad joke to share. Can't wait for that. Good news. A dog gets reunited with his family after two years. We're also going to talk with Larry Studnicki, lead singer from the band high plains drifters. In the overachievers, we have another world record holder to recognize. We're also going to discuss the phrase by hook 
or by crook. This week in Cleveland sports, we have a Browns topic to discuss a very Browns topic to talk about. We also have an interesting zoom meeting situation to talk about in Klopp's clips. That's I know with all the zoom meetings going on now, we uh, hear that audio. Uh, Getting the ring is back. Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com, is here to talk about a wrestling match on AEW last Wednesday involving a pizza cutter. Haven't haven't seen this. We're going to tell you all about it. Miss Speak of the Week is back. You can probably guess who is involved there. We've got another This Week in Cleveland History and a whole lot more. It's time for a fan favorite segment called The Great Debate. Once again, the segment is the opportunity for a healthy discussion on many different topics to go on between men and women. Each participant will have 30 seconds of uninterrupted talk to state their thoughts on a particular subject. Mm. At the end, both participants will then have the opportunity to rebuttal each other's answers. There won't be a named winner after each debate. That is for the listening audience to decide. Now, the questions are sealed in an envelope that has been reviewed by many folks, including the FBI, CIA, and top men and women to make sure the participants haven't heard the questions. Mm. Now, here are today's contestants, a longtime news reporter and friend to two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Sherry Russo. Sherry, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate that. I love being here. Yeah. Sherry, your opponent enjoys long walks on the beach and romantic novels. His name is Ted Clark. Yeah. Not only my wife knew that. <laughs> so I guess we'll get started. You guys have any questions? You've done this before. You did a yep. fine job. We got some great feedback. So let's roll right into it. Well, with the Olympics wrapping up this week, what sport draws the most interest for you and why? Once again, with the Olympics wrapping up this week, what sport in the Olympics draws the most interest for you and why? Sherry, you're on the clock. Well, um, I used to say gymnastics, but this year, um, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because Simone Biles dropped out or whatever, but I just didn't find it as interesting as I have in the past. So this year it has been um, synchronized diving. I find it fascinating. I don't know how they do it. And I ask the question, as I always do, how do you do that the first time without injuring yourself? So that's uh, synchronized diving. Okay. Mr. Klopp. So I have um, not watched much of the Olympics. I just, I don't know. It, It hasn't held my interest. The few things that I have seen I didn't realize that, uh, what is it, horse show jumping? Is that what you call it, I think, yes. horse show jumping? I didn't know that was an Olympic sport. And they don't differentiate uh, male and female riders compete together. And I thought that was kind of fascinating. So um, I, 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 I thought that was interesting. So I'd go with that. Well, Sherry, I guess opportunity to have a rebuttal. I don't know. It sounds like you guys are almost on the same page. Don't know necessarily what sport you really like, but do you have any comments after Ted's answer? Um, well, I guess, I guess the things that are unusual are yeah. interesting to watch. Yes. Um, 
you know, but uh, but the other thing that I've been watching lately a lot is uh, beach volleyball. And I'm watching all of this because my almost 12 year old son is very into the Olympics for the first time this year. So so I, I think they all can be interesting in their own way. Um, but what about field hockey? I've watched field, a little field hockey, thought that was interesting considering my kids play hockey, but I wouldn't yeah. have the first clue how to play it. No, no. Or would I know where to sign them up to try to learn to play it? So <laughs> fair enough. Fair there enough. you go. All right. Well, once again, the audience at home can decide who won that debate. But uh, I would agree with the both of you. There's a lot of interesting sports out there. I'm looking forward to the time we had a guest on last week to watch some pickleball. That'll be yeah. exciting once they have that as a full time sport. Yeah, I know they're working on that. I think you have to be over 45 to qualify. Is that what it is? <laughs> Might yeah. be past our say, age Sherry. level there. What are, you, what are you trying to say, Sherry? What are you, what are you implying? I'm just well, saying that when I see people playing pickleball at the park, they're not normally very young. It's true. <laughs> I saying. would say that's true. I too. see. Okay. It's right. true. Well, speaking on, of sports, so the Cleveland baseball team recently came up with a new team name called the Guardians. In recent news, there is already a roller derby team in Cleveland with the same name. Now, should the Cleveland baseball organization change their name or stick with the name Guardians? Ted, you get to answer first for 30 seconds. Okay. I am rather indifferent to the name Guardians. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's awful. Should they take the opportunity to pick a new one? Well, they'd have a lot of egg on their face if they did, but I, if it was up to me, I'd try to find something better. I think there's a lot of better names. We never celebrate. We've only had one team that's ever been named after rock and roll. We have no teams named after Superman, who's from Cleveland, the creator. So why not something like that? All right. Sherry, your time is now. I don't know if I'm supposed to disagree, but I, I, I think I actually am, am okay with what Ted said. I, I am stunned by the fact that no one in the Cleveland now Indians organization Googled the words Cle or put in clevelandguardians.com before making that announcement. Um, so I think just because they were dumb, <laughs> they should have to change it. I actually liked Guardians. I really did. I didn't mind it, but that is ridiculous that in this day and age, you wouldn't put clevelandguardians.com into your internet browser before announcing your new name. That said, we don't have to worry about anyone on the Indians on our podcast. We're no, good. I don't Thank think they're sure. going to be coming on. We'll, we'll cross Great that answer, off, by the way. Off the list there, yeah. Oh, Ted, any rebuttal? Obviously, it sounds like you guys are on the same page. Yeah, any other comments? On, I think we're on the same page. I mean, uh, Guardians... You know, outside Cleveland, you know, does anybody outside Cleveland know why they're the Cavaliers or the Indians or the Browns? Not really, but here's an opportunity to highlight some part of the city. You know, we had the Cleveland Rockers. That didn't, they're not around anymore. That could have been good. Like I said, something with Superman. There's all kinds of things that have come from Cleveland that nobody knows because we don't bother to, to promote them. You know, how many statues of Superman are there in Cleveland? That's exactly right. We, None that I know of. <laughs> right. The guy that made it is from here, and he's arguably the greatest superhero of all time. So, I don't know. Disappointing. Sherry, any other comments from yourself? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I think I think Fair Ted's enough. taking care of it. <laughs> well, well said. Good, good debate on that one. I, very good comments right. brought up. 
All right, so I had two softball questions for you. Now, I'm not going to say a serious question, but one that's going to certainly, you're going to have to think about this one. Yeah. Social media has improved human communication. Is that a, Sherry, this question disagree? goes to you. Social media has improved human communication. Your thoughts. All right, so I'm going to say that one's false. Um, so there is an improvement in the sense that you are connected to more people. There are people that I went to high school with that otherwise I would not know what they're doing in life and have found that they are doing really great things and I'm impressed with them and I'm glad we reconnected. Um, but as far as the kinds of communication that happen on social media, the misinformation and the things that people feel protected to say because they're behind their keyboard, I, I think is ridiculous. So it does not make it doesn't make structured, productive communication better. Mr. Klopp. Well, I, I know that we're supposed to, you know, it's always more exciting if we disagree and argue, but I, I, I agree with Sherry. You know, yeah, we're more connected. Has it improved human communication? No, it's made it worse. Now we're more likely to text or email or tweet or Facebook than we are to actually, I don't know, talk or make a phone call or, you know, something like that. So no, it's, it's, it's made it worse. To totally agree, Ted. Totally. Yeah. Agree. Any I, other comments? Yeah. I'll just say that, you know, especially for people who are not, um, media savvy like you all three of us kind of you know we went to school for media we kind of understand how it works so we know when we see something that uh, puts up a red flag to double check it or try to find the original source or second source or second source right but i think that a lot of people don't know that and just take it for truth and then that causes all kinds of problems you know, in uh, journalism circles, the term, well, if it's on the internet, it must be true, is a joke. But unfortunately, <laughs> I think a lot of people, if they read it on the internet, well, it's on this website, you know, well, it's just because it's on tedclop.com. Well, you know, Ted Klopp just, you know, he just started writing stuff. Well, Ted Klopp said it, it must be true. No. So, yeah. It's I'm telling you, don't sell yourself short you are yeah. a very reputable news reporter <laughs> we have right. clops clips every that's right. week so yeah well and i will i will let you know i i try to second source everything in there appreciate that yeah well, if I, if I, if I my name on it it's going to be second sourced <laughs> right well great debate from the two of you i really appreciate it sherry as always thank you for your time we look forward to uh, doing this Again, very soon. But uh, once again, we had the opportunity to talk about the Olympics wrapping up, what our favorite sports are, our thoughts on the on the Guardians, if they should change the name because there's another team in Cleveland, and then also uh, social media. So we had some great debates, some great information. If you have other information you'd like to us to talk about or debate, please find us on social media and send us a message. What about well, that email, much, guys? What about that email address, Ken? You know, Ted, <laughs> I, I, for some reason. I cannot remember it. You have to remind me. What hey, is that again, please? Sherry, do you know what our show email address is? I'm going to guess it has something to do with the number two. Yeah. Uh, M-A-I -M no. something, Clee at gmail.com. <laughs> There's a Clee. 
There's a clee. There's a clee, man. Anyhow, it's 2MAMICLE at gmail.com. The number 2, 2MAMICLE at gmail.com. How close was I? Come on, man. Oh, very close. Yeah. <laughs> Just a clee away. If we typed in what you said, we'd get the email bounce back. So oh. uh, close, uh, it still wouldn't get there. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, this isn't horseshoes or hand grenades, but thanks for playing. Time for Where That Come From, where we take a look at a well-known phrase and examine its origin. This week's phrase is by hook or by crook. You've been told that many times, haven't you, Ted? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to do this by hook or by crook. Yep. This old saying is said to come from a medieval law stating peasants could use branches of any tree for firewood with one condition. They had to be able to reach the branch using a shepherd's crook or billhook. Using one or both of these tools, they could get wood for heating and cooking. How about oh. that? Oops. Got nothing to do with the way it's used now. No, absolutely not. Well, that's, no, nope. That figures, right? We yep. just take that's a correct. phrase and completely change it up. It's correct. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I guess little we should end this segment by hook or by crook. Cleveland, this is for you. Well, another this week in Cleveland sports. Ted, we move to August 5th, 1991. Okay. Both of us, I think, were college people. You were finishing college or something like that at point in time. Is that correct? I was, I was a freshman or a sophomore. Okay. I'm sorry. My math is poor. That's okay. Paul Brown, probably one of the most famous football people ever in the NFL. The Hall of Fame coach who coached the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals dies of pneumonia at 82. Talk about an historic man. Talk about probably one of the most innovative Mm -hmm. coaches or people in the NFL. And if you think about all the different folks that came off the Paul Brown tree that were successful in the NFL, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, absolutely pretty amazing. he, He created the forward pass, I believe, right? You're correct on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. What, <laughs> what, where would Tom Brady be without Paul Brown? <laughs> and a host of others, if you think yeah. about that. Yeah. And, I mean, Brady's think about brother. how good you really are to, to have a, a team named after you. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And then that team gets rid of you <laughs> and you decide to go just on the other side of the state down South and you create another new team that's still in the NFL. That yep. is unbelievable. Yep. It's amazing. Yep, we, we have the guy that created the forward pass and we run him out of town. He's got stadiums named after him. He was a very historic high school football coach in Maslin. I mean, I just, we can go on and on to talk about Paul Brown, but uh, certainly uh, at the age of 82, uh, succumbing to pneumonia, but uh, one of the most historic people ever in the NFL and certainly a, a guy from this area as we talk about Paul Brown and another this week in Cleveland. Cleveland! This is for you.
Oh no, not a dad joke. What do the flowers do when the bride walked down the aisle? Hmm, I don't know. They rose. That joke was horrible. Ted, we have some good news. A Wisconsin dog that was missing for about two years. Holy cow, is back wow. with his family. Oh my. The owner was awakened one morning by a local news segment on TV about adoptable pets. Okay. The dog described as a little brown dog with an adorable underbite turned out to be his missing pup, Payday. Seriously? Wow. Huh. Wow. The That's dog and that is unbelievable. The dog and the family were reunited at the Wisconsin Humane Society Milwaukee campus and Payday recognized his family right away. That is an unbelievable story. Two years. Holy two years. Cow. Wonder where the dog went for two years. That's a great question. Yeah. Well. Scouring the, the area of Wisconsin, maybe going to a couple different bars, maybe looking yeah. for chicken wings. I don't know. That could be. Could be. Hey, you never know. That's always an option. That's some good news. All right, let's get in the ring again. Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com, back with us. And, hey, referring to last week, have you heard from Virgil again? No. Oh. I was really expecting him to slide back into my DMs. Ted. Yeah. Okay. He's scared. Right. He's scared of us. <laughs> he can't handle the thunder. <laughs> okay. Seems like there's a lot of news on a weekly basis now with all these major promotions. Wouldn't be a week of WWE news if there wasn't a release that shocked everybody. Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotundo, is out. What do you know about this unique character? Had a lot of people behind him. Uh, the audience seemed to like him, but he's done, at least for now. Well, what do you know about why they cut him? It was something no one saw coming, especially him. Yeah. He was called by John Laranitis, the head of talent relations, and was told budget cuts. He is one of the top merchandise movers for mm -hmm. WWE. Sure. But he's making, he more than justifies that seven-figure salary. Talent is mad. A lot of talent I talk to is upset. They're baffled. They're confused of why you'd get rid of a top-line talent. So WWE says budget cuts. What yes. are you hearing? Is there more to this story? Is there something else? For all I know is it was the budget cut issue. He had been unhappy, and I do know this because this I knew this a while ago. He had been unhappy with parts of his creative. He came up with a lot of this stuff. This was his brainchild. And then Vince would just kind of tweak it a little bit and to see how he wanted it. And they would go back and forth and then they'd mutually agree on something. Is he AEW bound? Is he impact bound? Do you see him going somewhere sometime soon? Or do you see him staying on the sidelines for a little bit? If I'm him, New Japan is perfect. Okay. Once New Japan starts and things in Japan start getting back to the way they used to be before COVID, that's a perfect spot. Okay. I think they're an impact. I think him and impact, I think would be a match made in heaven. Fair enough. Well, let's flip over to AEW. I uh, got a chance to watch the show last week, and I was a little surprised by the main event. Nick Gage 
who is known in wrestling circles as a a blood and guts guy, a very violent wrestler. If anybody saw the uh, Dark Side of the Ring documentary, you know what you're getting when you watch a Nick Gage match. I was surprised that they were okay putting this on their show and thus putting it on network television. Mm -hmm. Was that something that they had to get approved ahead of time with TNT? Before I answer that, what did you think of the match? That's not my style of wrestling. I I don't find that entertaining. In wrestling, to me, the purpose is to win the match. And that, to me, was finding ways to injure other people and seeing what unique ways we can come up with to do that. I'm not normally either. I'm not a fan of those. I hate saying garbage, but garbage style matches. I've never really been the world's biggest fan, especially in this day of age. For some reason, though, I was captivated by that match. And I wasn't expecting to be. Right. Now, What I do know, and I asked, I reached out to Tony Khan. And from what he told me was he did reach out to TNT. This is what we're, we're, I'm, we're pitching. This is what we want to do. These are the things that are going to be involved. TNT was, they were okay with it. Okay. It just is a little surprising to me, given what we know about bloodborne diseases and yeah, COVID, yeah. Exactly. that we got two guys bleeding buckets on the show. Now, something else that was huh, unintentionally kind of funny that I think had some blowback Nick Gage is known for pulling out a pizza cutter and slicing opponents' heads. And he did that in this uh, match. And TNT, I should say AEW, uh, frequently will go to a commercial and they'll do the picture-in-picture gimmick. And they did that. They pitched to a commercial as Nick Gage is carving Chris Jericho's head open with a pizza cutter. And the first ad is for Domino's. (laughs) <laughs> i already and, know where you're going it was fun. yeah uh, uh from what i saw online uh dominoes was shall we say less than pleased what can you say about is that are they losing an advertiser there what's the what's the situation there because that's that's money right there as of right now the dominoes is not pulling they, they they're not expecting dominoes dominoes is a big sponsor for a lot of stuff that Warner media does in terms of their sports, like the NBA major league baseball, soon to be the NHL starting here in October in AEW. Okay. I was told that was a coincidence. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how much to believe that. <laughs> I just go with what the info that I'm told. That's yep. what they say. It's a heck of a coincidence. Steve. Um, the interesting thing is the WWE is the one that reached out to Domino's. That's why this ever became a story. So wait a minute. You're saying Domino's didn't know this happened? No. Wow. Not until someone, and I have this confirmed. It's been confirmed. Other reporters, David Bixenspan, noted report, uh, combat sports reporter, was the one that broke this story. Okay. And I was able to confirm that from people that know that some people from WWE reached out to the people at Domino's said, Hey, this is one of your sponsors. This is what they're doing. We're appalled by it. Blah, 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 blah. So, so WWE essentially tattled on AEW to Domino's. Yes. Wow. The 
the but competition, they're not competition, Steve. Vince no. McMahon said they're not competition in that stockholders call last week. I'm excited. This is a great time yeah. to be a wrestling fan. It really yeah. is. All right, let's go to our wrestling rewind. July 25th, 1993. Not necessarily a red letter day, but when I tell you what this is, you'll probably chuckle. Jim Cornette, who was the head of SMW at the time, debuts on a WWF TV. I remember when that happened. I was like, wait, I didn't. I remember him, remembered him from WCW in the right. NWA. And it was like, right. what's he doing here? Yeah. He does some stuff here and there with WWE. There's yeah. times where WWE will contact him and they'll work out a price and he'll do like help out with the documentary stuff and things of that nature. And he does a lot of stuff for the dark side of the ring and those guys advice. So yep. one of the great historians, one of the great minds in the history of the business. Fair enough. All right. Well, there's our wrestling rewind and our wrestling headlines or news uh, for the week. Uh, Steve, if folks want to keep track of the news uh, in the ring, where can they find you? Scotadazone.com. Have a piece up right now for my interview with the legendary Ray Mysterio. Some interesting stuff about working with his son, Dominic, how he has viewed that time with him, how Dominic has progressed since he debuted last August. An interesting take on, because a lot of controversy on them dropping the titles to the Usos. Uh-huh. And so then what's going on with Jimmy Uso. So in J2, you know, the Usos have been, haven't been able to keep their noses clean, unfortunately. And yeah. I got Ray's thoughts on it. I thought an interesting view that I actually ended up agreeing with some good thoughts on working with John Cena. Cause right now he's working. Cena's doing a lot of six man tags on these house show, the house show run he's on yeah. and working the dark matches on raw and smack on SmackDown. He's been working with, the Mysterios against Roman Reigns and the Usos. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, S Mulehausen MMA. That's S M U E H L H A U S E N. Actually, it's S Mulehausen JR. I apologize. There you go. And then the JR at the end. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. All right, Steve. Well, thanks for your time. All right. Thank you, Ted. Talk soon, bud. Time to recognize another overachiever. 31-year-old Samantha Ramsdell of Connecticut has the Guinness World Record for the woman with the largest mouth in the world. (laughs) How do you come up with this stuff? (laughs) The mega mouth measures about two and a half inches tall and four inches wide. Okay. Wow. I have some comments when we're done with this. Her videos on TikTok include her Shoving three, <laughs> <laughs> shoving three donuts in her mouth at once and putting an entire order of large fries in her mouth. All right. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this question. When's the last time you measured your mouth? Uh, measured my mouth. Yeah. yeah. You got the ruler out or something? Oh, I got it right here. Okay. I got a tape measure. You want me to measure? Oh, what do you... <laughs> It okay, I'm at about a, an inch and a half on the okay. height. All right. Hold on. I've got about two and a two and three quarters on the width. Well, I'm I'm looking at a picture of this young lady, and I, I definitely think she's got you beat. So. I, I that's that's a large mouth right there. Wow. I don't know what to say about that. I'm kind of speechless in all yeah. this. Okay, well, congrats to her. 
She's definitely an overachiever. She's one of the ones that got away. But would she take you back today? She's one of the Our guest today graduated magna cum laude from Princeton, then got his law degree from Harvard. He has represented record companies like Death Row, recording artists like LL Cool J, and Click Radio Inc., the first internet company licensed to deliver interactive radio service. When he's not writing legal briefs or arguing in a courtroom, he's now the lead singer for the band High Plains Drifters, an 80s-style band who just released a new single called The One That Got Away. Let's talk with Larry Studnicki. Larry, thanks for the time. Uh, can you explain to me lawyer to lead singer? That's an interesting transition that I don't hear too often. Yeah, first, thank, thanks for having me. I, I started writing songs mostly in my head somewhere halfway through high school, but as a nerdy, unpopular, like, you know, I would have been the least likely guy in my class to be voted as someone who'd be arguably cool or to have anything to do with the music industry someday. I never told anybody. I just kept writing songs and I just went down the path that I was on, which was, you know, go to a decent college, go to law school and become a lawyer. But uh, I, this is what I always wanted to do. I didn't believe in, yeah, I must have spent a, a decade wondering if the stuff in my head was any good. But yeah, at the time I was listening to people like John Denver taking over rock radio and going, well, that can't be right. I mean, there's something, I like his stuff, but he shouldn't be pushing off, you know, like the Beatles and the Stones. And I mean, it was just crazy what happened to radio in the 70s. So I'd sit there and go, well, I think my stuff's at least that good, you know, but it, but is it really good? And it just took me a long time to get to a point where I thought I was writing songs that should be on the radio because I guess because I, I worked just long enough in the music industry to meet the right guys, I pulled together a first rate band and, uh, the, you know, with the, the band and the producer, you know, this, this is what I, this is what I do now when I can, I still have to practice law to pay the bills, but this is what I like to do. <laughs> Well, Larry, good for you. First and foremost, not many people have the opportunity to pursue what they wanted, always wanted to do in life. So first and foremost, good for you, because that's that's just how life should be sometimes. Now, the band itself, High Plains Drifters, I read about this. And as soon as I hear it, I said, I have to ask this question. First thing it says, the band was created after a night of a night of too much boozing and a little too food, a little too little of food. Talk about that for me, if you could. I love that. That's great. We've all been there before, but. Talk yeah, about how well, you came up with this band. I, I, well, first of all, I'm, I'm a, as a single guy, I was always opposed to allowing too much food to be present when you were drinking in the presence of women, because it slows the rate of alcohol consumption, right? Yep. So probably shouldn't say that in today's you know, era, but you know, that, that, that was kind of the school of thought I came from. So I, when I decided to finally do this, I had to get together. I had to get start somewhere. And I started with two of my buddies who, who were uh, you know, just super talented songwriters and producers and artists in their own right. Uh, one guy named John Makem, who's not, not famous. He's an, he's an unsigned indie artist in his own right, who's had a lot of his own songs synced into, this isn't, you know, going back 20 years or so, he must have synced an album's worth of stuff into 
big television shows like Party of Five and uh, Dawson's Creek and others. And then there was a guy named Charles Zarnecki, who I didn't really know well at the time, but one of my partners who had spent at that point 50 years as a music industry lawyer said, this guy, Charles Zarnecki, is the most talented musician and producer I've ever met. And at the time, he was uh, assistant musical director to Jersey Boys on Broadway. He had conducted the New York Pops at age 20. He was a child keyboard on, uh, a, a child prodigy on keyboard. He played all kinds of instruments. And I sat down with those guys in a Tex-Mex place over in Chelsea and said, uh, hey, guys, I, I, I happen to write music. I know it sounds ridiculous. I've never told you this. Uh, but uh, would you be willing to work with me on, on getting some songs recorded? And they should. They said, sure, why not? So that that's where it started. And there, there was I don't I don't remember really eating, but, you know, it, it, it took me a fair amount of took me a fair amount of drinking probably just to get up the nerve to tell these guys that I, I considered myself a songwriter because they only knew me as a lawyer. Sure. <laughs> so you, you decide you're going to do this with these these friends of yours and you need a name for the band. High Plains Drifters. I I know it's got something to do with Clint Eastwood, or at least there's that film. But tell me where the name comes from. Yeah, I, I mean the name the name really came more because any other name you'd go looking for is gone. I mean, it, try try to name something. I don't care what it is. Try to name a product. Try to name a, a web a web service or an app or a company or a band. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, I, I remember there was a period, I can't remember why, but I, you know, I'm up around New York. My mom's down in Maryland. There's a period one summer where I was going back and forth to my mom's house, a fair amount in the car that New York to almost to DC drive is a good, just long enough drive to, to do some quiet thinking. And I just spent a lot of time looking around, spacing out, seeing what passed me on the roads, trying to come up with ideas kicking them back to a guy that that in, we that I've engaged who helps us on the marketing front uh, to see whether anything sounded right. And, and, and everything was either taken or was being shot down. And then I just threw this out because it just seemed to fit. Yeah, and we're not, I'm not a kid. I'm an older guy. Most of the guys in the band, let's leaving Zarnecki out of it. Everyone else in the band is 50 or older. Zarnecki and our, our female backup singers are, are much younger, but um, I wanted something that that kind of fit for a bunch of older guys who are seasoned and have been around a while and have seen a little bit of life. And this this just seemed to fit that bill. Larry, listening to your songs, I really enjoyed them. I really did. Uh, since Thank you've you. been Thank gone, you. it's great. Nuclear Winter, I listened to, and the one that got away. Those those are great songs. I hear your music, and I, I kind of you know kind of get the idea of of, you know, the sound you're looking for and things like that. What was your influence? You talked about, obviously, this is something you always wanted to do, but what was your influence, I guess, at a younger, a little bit younger age of who you listen to and, and kind of how you maybe come up with some of your songs and, and the way you sound? It, it's, it, it's, I try to distinguish influence from inspiration. Sure. Because two different things. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I was a little kid when the Beatles and the Stones and all the great rock acts of the 60s were coming up, but I didn't have a lot of money to spend on records and didn't really have much of a record collection when I went off to college. I had the great good fortune in college to have two roommates with massive collections of all the classic rock of the 60s, the 70s, uh, and 
and this probably did influence me, the, the Southern rock that became so dominant in the 70s. Uh, and no one back then thought the Eagles were Southern rock. But if you listen to rock today, you realize that they're all just, you know, descendants of the Eagles. Yeah. So whether it was the Eagles or a band like Firefall or the Marshall Tucker band, or uh, I probably listened to more of that stuff than I should have. Um, because that influence creeps into a lot of what I write. I don't regret it. I, I like their storyteller approach to the songs, but we're Yankees. We're, you know, we're all from the New York area and Nashville wants nothing to do with guys like us. So you have to, you have to avoid trying to go in that direction because you're just going to be thrown on some trash heap if you, lean, if you lean a little too country. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's there. I mean, on the on the EP, if it's there at all, it's it's a little bit in Ruby Runaway with me. But that that influence of my youth is largely gone on these songs in the EP. We were working on a song at the end of our debut album called and, it, and you hear it here. Uh, he reminds me of you is on this EP. We actually recorded it at the end of the debut album. And I said to Greg Cohen, who's been producing us since halfway through that, I said, this song has to be, it can't go Americana. It can't have those Southern rock influences. It has to be more of a modern pop song. And when we heard it, we said, we can't put that on that. We can't put that on the debut record. So let's hold it and keep mining the 80s, which is when, I mean, the 80s were when I really fell in love with music, became obsessed with all the great, I was here in the city, I was single, I was working like a dog, going out as much as I could, so were my friends. And that, that's true, probably everybody in the band, all of us who are now over 50, the 80s were really the biggest decade of music, music for us. And that's what you're hearing in the CP. So I'm curious, what's harder, being a lawyer or fighting writer's block and coming up with uh, songs? Mm, I'd say, God, I don't wanna sound, I don't wanna sound arrogant, the songs kind of write themselves. I mean, I, I, I'm not a guy who sits down. I remember one of the guys in the Eagles lived above Jackson Brown at one point. And he was talking about, might have, he was talking about how I lived upstairs from Jackson Brown and he would sit down like every morning and write every day and I could hear him. And I've never been that way. I don't sit down with the intention of writing something. On rare occasions, I do. Like, I decided at one point I had to write a song for my wife. So there's a beautiful ballad on the debut album called Marry Me Again. Um, but I, I normally don't have that intention. The songs get triggered by real world events or a, a phrase that someone speaks or something that pops into my head. And when I'm lucky, they just kind of write themselves. Um, sure. Not all, but uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, sure. it does. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yes, yes. Well, Larry, if we want to find uh, High Plains Drifters, follow you, get some of the music, where can we do so? All the music's on all the big streaming services. So you just have to search under High Plains Drifters, uh, search the name of the EP, Songs of Love and Loss, search the debut album, which is the same as the band, High Plains Drifters. Um, we have a website. It's hyphenated, High Plains Drifters with hyphens in between, but yeah, none of the kids go to websites anymore. So stay on the streaming services, find our videos on YouTube, uh, follow us on the various social media. There you have to use the, the acronym 
it's HPD music. So whether it's Instagram or TikTok or one of the others, it's HPD music. Awesome. Well, Larry, best of luck at the music. And uh, I guess hopefully someday the music will maybe allow you to not be a lawyer anymore. Highly unlikely as I have to put a daughter <laughs> through college still. Oh, well, there you <laughs> so. go. Okay, Fair enough. Well, best of luck with the, the music and uh, continued success. I, I'm grateful to you guys for giving me any time at all. I mean, we're really obscure and I, I thank you for, for, for listening and giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit about the band and our music. Thank you. Time for another This Week in Cleveland History, August 5th, 1914. 107 years ago, Ken, the first traffic light, first traffic light ever, anywhere, installed at Euclid and 105th. Wow. Traffic light invented by Garrett Morgan, an inventor and businessman. Interesting uh that it was here in Cleveland, and he he developed a number of different things, I believe. Yeah, I believe he was also involved with something called a smoke hood, which I believe is the uh, predecessor to the gas mask. So mm, obviously, okay, working with a, a very intelligent person, bringing two items that certainly to this day we're still using. So that's extremely impressive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to pay attention the next time I'm. In that area, Euclid and 105th, that's right near the uh, Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, that's not very far. Yeah. No. I wonder if there's a sign there or something like that that, that notates that. I, I hate to say it. I don't know if there is or not. They well, I was just going to say, knowing the way we promote things and like we talked about in the great debates, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But nonetheless, we recognize it here. And that is another This Week in Cleveland History. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Here we go, Ken. Time for more news you probably didn't know, which is why I'm here. Police in Texas called to a home where a baby alligator had decided to go for a swim in a hot tub. Facebook post from the Full Shear Police Department said, quote, Officers received a call in regard to a criminal trespass in the Fullbrook on Fullshire Creek neighborhood. An unknown suspect had entered a homeowner's backyard and decided to go for a swim in the hot tub, not turned on. Officers Chavez and Landry quickly made the scene and observed the suspect swimming naked without regard to the owner's wishes. The suspect resisted at first, but was soon arrested and later released without further incident. Oh, boy. That's somebody having a little fun with their uh, press release, I think. Oh, man. Once again, I think there's more to this story. Probably. An employee at a uh, furniture company in California had a Zoom meeting with the company CEO. I, I got part of the meeting here. Let's let's give a listen. Uh, then I'll probably go down to Jersey where my uncle lives and stay and hang out with him for a bit. Charlotte? You okay? Uh, 
What happened? Kyle, are you recording this? I just, oh, the chair man. just broke. Desperately hope so. Yeah, don't worry, it's recorded. <laughs> don't worry, we got it. They're broke. The best part, the woman works for a furniture company, Ken. Oh, they're broke. Can't wait to get their stuff. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That is hilarious. Hey. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, an Olympic update now. Australian canoeer Jess Fox took home gold and bronze medals. Prior to winning the medals, though, she shared a video where she repaired the nose of her kayak. She put a carbon mixture on the nose and then secured it with a condom. <laughs> she noted that the stretchy latex gives a smooth finish. In addition to the unique repair job, Fox also revealed that prior to her gold medal win, she ran behind a group of tents and puked. Oh, well, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. I think that was an easy fix for her, because if I'm not mistaken, at the Olympics, like they have for previous years, they ha hand out a ton of free condoms. They so do. Yes. She's got plenty for her, for her canoe. Safety first. Yep. A Russian robber entered an adult store masked and waving a small knife. Apparently, he demanded money from the saleswoman, according to the uh, security footage. The quick-thinking woman grabbed an 18-inch long item off the counter, hit the guy over the head a couple times. He turned and ran out of the store. I didn't get any money, and the woman was not hurt. Quick thinking. Quick Use thinking. what's in front of you. 18-inch item. Oh, boy. That must have been a stick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a great way to close up this week's collection of Collapse Clips. Miss Speak of the Week now, President Joe Biden. Isn't that how this segment always starts? I... It's happened many a times this way, yes. Hosted a uh, wildfire summit last week and was talking about some areas that have been hardest hit. I come from the state of Delaware. Uh, and, uh, you know, you had, we had more acreage burn last year than the state of Delaware and Maryland combined. Combined. For you all on Montana, that ain't my, you know, but... <clears throat> you want to explain that, Ken? I don't know. I can't explain it. Not sure. Oh my uh, gosh! What he? What he? I, I I don't know what he meant. Not sure. There's a lot of, a lot of states involved in that little thought there, but I I don't know. No. But that is the misspeak of the week. We're wrapping up episode 66. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland. We've offended the Cleveland Indians and the city of Cleveland. So, Ken, please mark down. Do not call the mayor. Or anybody from the Indians to try to be on the show. That's Our list is growing, unfortunately. I think the Cavs are on there too. Oh so. boy. Yeah. Yep. But you know. uh, just honest and open conversation. That's what we do. That's what that's right. Want to hear. That's right. Speaking of honest and open and conversation, I want to thank Larry Studnicki from the High Plains Drifters for joining us, talk about his band and his music. Sherry Russo with another great debate. And Steve Muehlhausen from The Zone. Talking about Bray Wyatt's release and the pizza cutter incident with <laughs> WWE tattling, tattletailing, 
on AEW to Domino's. That is unbelievable. That really is. That just goes to show you how competitive AEW is now with WWE. Because I think in the past, WWE has got more fish to fry than to worry about what AEW is. But right now, with as Steve has talked about with the ratings and where things are at, they're starting to get more and more popular. And it's, it's going to be interesting in the next couple months. And appreciate Steve's thoughts. My gosh, to talk to somebody like himself who... I mean, he's talking to all the big wigs and all the wrestlers. He's got the info and to spend time with him and get that info is pretty awesome. So thanks again to him. Do you think that when WWE uh, made that notification, do you think they started with nanny, nanny, boo, boo, stick your head in doo doo? Could be. Who do you I, think called? What, which person? I, who was, I don't, who was I the don't, deep throat on that one? You think? Who, who I don't was that? think their name was Vince or. Shane uh, Paul. No, not probably Shane either. No, I don't think it was any of them. Probably some slack slacky. We never heard of, but the Brooklyn I'm sure brawler. <laughs> they brought him back just to make that phone call. It was the Brooklyn brawler, the Brooklyn brawler and the red rooster made that. phone call. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. There you go. Classic. All right. Well, uh, we got some surprises for the show next week. We're, Working on those, and so you'll just have to wait and see what we come up with. That's correct. Yeah. All they right. Can patiently wait, and they'll be very surprised when what we bring to the table. By the way, uh, this this broadcast is uh, our fee for this broadcast is now market price. <laughs> we'll let you know what it is. That's the best. Well, one thing I le- can let everybody know about is that we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. (laughs) No, 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 no.